If you've been going around the good old internet looking for the right podcast to fulfill your New York Yankees needs, well, I'll be the first to deliver the good news to you. You have found it. Here on Yapping Yankees with me, your host, Mike Scudero, you and I will be discussing the latest news, takes, and talk throughout the entire Yankee universe. Oh, and there may be some ranting on my behalf. Yeah. Anyway, what do you say we get to it? Let's get to yapping! Hello there, my fellow Yankee fans, and welcome to episode 112 of the Yapping Yankees podcast, where we yap about the Yanks and nothing but the Yanks. As always, I am your host, Mike Scudero, here on September 12th, 2021. (laughs) Dear Lord, guys... Where do I even start? I guess I'll start by saying I hope that outside of the Yankees being back to their unserious and laughable first half selves, that I hope you're all doing well and had yourselves a good week. There were some good things to still happen this past week, like Derek Jeter, for instance. Best part of the week, if you ask me. My favorite Yankee, my favorite baseball player, and my favorite overall athlete of all time was finally inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. And as I said last week, I could not wait for it. And it was, in fact, just as amazing as I knew it would be. Derek's speech, like his career, was fantastic. And it was just amazing. It was amazing to see one of my heroes get inducted into the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. He'll always be my favorite. Derek Jeter will always be number one in my book. A role model, a true winner and champion, things that this Yankee team can learn a great deal about at times, and a legend in every way. And yes, it did choke me up a bit at times because I just couldn't believe that After watching Jeter, my hero, play for years throughout my first few years of being a Yankee fan years ago, that so much time has gone by, and he's now in the Hall of Fame. Just how fast the years go by, man. So congratulations to my personal favorite of all time, role model, baseball player, Yankee, Athlete overall, our captain, Derek Jeter, on his more than deserved Hall of Fame induction, and Larry Walker, Tim Simmons, and Marvin Miller as well, who were also inducted alongside Derek. And Lord knows that they all waited long enough since last year when this was originally supposed to happen, that's for sure. So congratulations to all of them, especially our captain, our beloved captain, Derek Jeter. And the other good thing, amongst a tragic day otherwise, of course, as expected, was a beautiful 9-11 ceremony at City Field last night. 20 years since that horrific day in 2001. 20 years It's truly unbelievable. I don't even have any words for it. How it's 20 years. 
I, I can't come to terms with that. It never gets easier and it never will. And despite it having been only a few months away from my fifth birthday, I was very young when it happened, just every year, the sadness, the anger, it all boils back up to the surface without fail. Every year. And I may not have been quite old enough to understand what was going on at the time, but I do still remember seeing that smoke on the television. And that was etched into my memory forever, even as a little kid who was only just a couple of months off from being five years old. And of course, as you grow older and you learn more about it, you obviously come to terms with what happened. And given the fact that I was still alive, even if I wasn't necessarily old enough to truly grasp, to truly come to terms with what was going on, having been alive and then learning about it later with that memory etched into your mind, it has such an effect on you still. And like I said, every single year, especially on a big anniversary like last night, the 20th anniversary, all of those emotions... They all come back every year, and they always will, no matter how much time passes and how many years go by. Those emotions will always return as we never forget what happened. We shouldn't forget, we can't forget, and we will not forget. And God bless all of those who perished, whether it be in the towers or in the surrounding area, in downtown Manhattan in general or otherwise, the Pentagon, the plane that crashed in Pennsylvania, God bless them and their families, the first responders, firefighters, police officers, medical staffs and paramedics and so on, and of course all of those who survived too and are still mentally or physically tormented by 9-11 to this day. And before the game yesterday, it was just a beautiful ceremony. A beautiful ceremony. It was beautiful. And it was just, for me, things like that, they just, they serve as yet another beautiful reminder that in the end, guys, regardless of political party or affiliation or any of that crap, we're Americans, guys. We're Americans. Let's act like that towards one another, especially on days like yesterday. Let's not forget that, guys. And let's not ever forget about those who tragically lost their lives, all the first responders and emergency staffs, and all of those still affected by that day to this day and will always be until the day they die. Let's not ever forget about all of those people. God bless them. And God bless America. But otherwise, my friends, as you well know, other than those things, especially prior to last night's game throughout these last couple of weeks, when it comes to the feast or famine, bipolar, unserious, gutless, embarrassing, first-half-esque Yankees team that seems to be redoing all of their bad habits like laughable defense, double plays, lack of scoring, blowing big leads, just to name a couple of things. Just like it was last week, this past week, they continued to be 
an utter nightmare in every single way. And I'm going to be doing plenty of ranting and recap, guys, so don't worry about that. I'll be talking all about this often flatlined, inconsistent Yankee team who throughout this season, in case you need an example of inconsistency, as if you haven't already seen it with your own eyes, started at 5-10, and 10, followed by 23-9, and 9, followed by 5-13, and 13, followed by 7-2, and 2, then 1-7, and 7, then 35-11, and 11, and now, since the 13-game winning streak, 3-11, and 11, losing seven in a row before finally deciding to win a game last night. But how they've done since that winning streak has virtually undone everything good the 13-game winning streak did. And I'll talk all about how they've once again just looked like the Titanic these last couple of weeks. Sinking hard and sinking fast. Continuing to find new ways to lose. Whether it be the offense, whether it be the defense, whether it be the starting pitching, whether it be the bullpen, or maybe even a combination of some of those. And with this team, throughout the entire season, there is never any middle ground. They're either the best team in baseball, like they were in the second half until about two weeks ago, or they can't get out of their own way and play with the IQ of a Little League team, like they did in the first half and how they are now again. Starving for runs, like homeless people on the side of the road, begging, oh please sir, just a little bit more. Constantly sitting Luke Voigt, when they have it in their power to constantly have him, Stanton, and Rizzo in the lineup at the same time, and they just choose not to. Keeping guys like Andrew Heaney and Brooks Christie, up until a few days ago, up here on the main roster. That is unserious. I mean, do, do you want this thing or not? How do you go from being as truly awful as the first half to then being the best in baseball to going back to being the way you were in the first half? Maybe even worse. How is this possible? This is truly the most bizarre season I have ever experienced in my life. And it's the most frustrating Yankees team I have ever seen in my entire life as a fan. And I really can't imagine any other beating the bizarre nature of this season. But I also better be careful with saying that because the universe tends to absolutely detest me. But anyways, guys, plenty to get to today, as you can well hear. The social media segment will be up first, as always. And in news and recap, aside from the ranting and misery still yet to come, yeah, I got more in my system. We'll talk about Garrett Cole and Jameson Tyone's injuries. And of course, talk all about the Yankees' past week of gameplay, looking as unserious as can be, and where things stand now, after this massive losing funk the Yankees have just decided to end last night finally, where things stand as far as the playoff picture. So I say we just get right to it. But first, quick reminder, 
that Yapping Yankees is being brought to you by, obviously, myself and Ball9. Visit Ball9's website, ball9.com, and follow them on all social medias at Ball9. And also, guys, don't forget to follow me on all social medias. Follow my Facebook fan page at Mike Scudero NY. Follow me on Twitter at Mike Scudero and on Instagram at Mike Scuds 97. And also, please don't forget to subscribe and always listen to Yapping Yankees on all the platforms it's available on. And that's YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Don't forget to leave a like on YouTube. Don't forget to leave a review on the others and just show its support on all four of those guys. But without further ado, let's move on to Twitter. This week, we've got a Yapping Yankees poll, so polls make a return on the social media segment. And this week's question is, at this point, there are 21 games left. Do you see the Yankees turning things around before it's too late? And of course, to comment your thoughts below, and that I would read the first 10 comments that Twitter has listed for me in the comments section. Now, you might be asking, well, Mike, the Yankees have 20 games left. Why are you saying 21? Well, as I always say, the social media segment is posted on Saturday, so this was before the game last night. So before last night's 9-11 game, the Yankees had 21 games left. The two choices for the poll were, of course, either yes or no, and it's already too late. And believe it or not, the prevailing choice by earning 58% of the vote out of the hundreds of votes that came in for this poll, 58% of you voted for the choice of no or that it's already too late. And the other 42, the remaining 42% voted for the choice of yes, that you do see the Yankees turning things around before it's too late. Now, obviously, too late is right around the corner because there are only 20 games left and 21 at the time that I posted this poll yesterday. Now, in my opinion, the Yankees, of course, can do it, especially because they are, hopefully, getting ready to get over a really bad cold streak. And if there's any indication, if you just heard what I said in the introduction before about how the Yankees have been this year, how inconsistent they've been, and how hot or cold they've been, And actually, it's not even hot or cold. It's literally just either the best in baseball or amongst the worst in baseball. That is literally how inconsistent they are. They're either the best or the worst. So if there's any indication of that, the Yankees should actually be getting ready to go on another hot streak because they're 3-11 since that 13-game winning streak that we were all ranting and raving about, going crazy about, so happy, saying the Yankees have finally found it. Here are the real Yankees in the second half after the trade deadline. Here they come. And in the last couple of weeks, they're back to their first half selves, doing all the stupid crap that they did months ago that I mentioned before, and that we spent the entire first half talking about. And step one to putting a stop to that is stopping all those stupid mental mistakes that a Little League team would not make. That's step one. And I understand that teams go through their slumps. I've said this time and time again to avoid the people coming after me. Oh, what do you not know baseball? You know that all teams go through their slumps. (laughs) I know that. This is beyond slumping or getting hot. Like I said, they're either the best or the absolute worst. And that can be a problem if you don't hit the hot streak at the right time. Now, they very well could. They could hit a hot streak and then go into October with that hot streak and then go right through the playoffs and somehow, after this bizarre season, the most bizarre I've ever seen, win the World Series. 
That could happen. But it also very well might not. Because you also look at this team and you see how one aspect of the team always happens to fall apart on a given day. The offense, the defense, the bullpen, the pitching. Do they even have enough pitching with Garrett Cole missing a start he was supposed to go tonight? Now he might go on Tuesday. And now you're looking at all kinds of people like Clark Schmidt starting the game tonight. And you might have Andrew freaking Heaney coming after him. And now you see how gassed out the bullpen, understandably so, seems to be. And then you have the offense doing their thing coming up short, not knowing how to score a lot of the time. And then you have the defense just looking like they forget how to play baseball. And it's a problem. You ask yourself, how could this team possibly make it in October? And that's a valid question. And I'm also really tired of the eternal optimists. And listen, you want to be optimistic? God bless you. I admire that. I'm optimistic a lot of the time myself, but I'm also a realist. And the realist in me says that the eternal optimists have to stop going after the fans who just don't seem to have too much faith in this team going forward. And for having their reasonable concerns. There's a difference between non-reasonable and reasonable. Stop going after the ones like myself who have their reasonable concerns. Because honestly, the last couple of weeks, ever since the Yankees were blazing hot, I think a lot of fans have the right to be suspicious of the Yankees and say, listen, I just don't really think this team can make it in October. The offense, the defense, the pitching, like I said, with Garrett Cole missing a start, and hopefully that's all he misses. Hopefully when he comes back on Tuesday, like the Yankees expect him to, that he goes for the rest of the way. But you also have Corey Kluber still rehabbing, basically, in crunch time. During the playoff run. You have Jameson Tyone hurt now. Hopefully he doesn't miss too much time. The Yankees seem optimistic about that. But it's still a partial tear in his ankle, which we'll talk more about later. And you have the rest of the rotation. Nestor's good, and Monty's been good. But then you also have starts like his latest one in City Field, where he just throws too many pitches, and then sometimes he just implodes. So you got the starting pitching concerns right now, and then of course with how gassed the bullpen looks. These are reasonable concerns, along with the fact of just how inconsistent the Yankees are. So I've seen fans going after others saying, oh, you're not a real fan if you don't believe in the team. It's not that they're not real fans. They have their reasonable concerns. And the way the Yankees have played at times, like they did with the first half and like they had the last couple of weeks, I think those concerns and criticisms are plenty warranted. Now, me personally, I don't put it past the Yankees to be able to hit a hot streak in these last three weeks. It's possible. Especially after a nice win like last night, you keep that going in the final game of the Subway Series tonight, then you face the Twins, and then the Orioles, the Indians, the Rangers after that. It's a favorable schedule. But then you also look at another fact with the Yankees, and that's a fact that they don't always take care of the bad teams, especially the Orioles. That was a major topic on last week's Yapping Yankees, how they don't take care of the Orioles like the rest of the AL East does, and how big of a difference it's actually made in the division. So nothing's a guarantee. They have to go out there and take care of business. So they could do it. And like I said, step one is eliminating those boneheaded mental mistakes. Like the abysmal fielding, for instance. Just the defense at times. And I'll mention some of those examples and recap later. Like Gary in this series, in the Subway series, in game one. And even Glaber Torres still some days. I mean, it's it's concerning. So that's step one. Get all those out of your system. 
And you've also got to take care of the bad teams ahead, like I just said. It's got to happen. You can't be losing games like that, not during a playoff run, if you expect to grab a playoff spot. And when the playoffs come in, you got to keep that going if you plan on going on a hot streak in these last three weeks. You cannot go on this cold streak like the Yankees have done so many times this year in October. You'll get eliminated in five seconds. So they very well could do it, and I definitely don't eliminate that possibility. But I definitely have my concerns in saying that I'm not sure if they could pull it off, especially if they just don't stop those mental mistakes and don't take care of these bad teams they have on this favorable schedule up until their next day off. But I also definitely don't say it's too late. Because right now, literally anything could happen. The wild card race is packed so tight between the Red Sox, the Blue Jays, and Yankees who are in a dead tie for the second wild card, only a game back of Boston for the first wild card, and then right behind the Blue Jays and the Yankees coming into tonight's game, you also have the Mariners and the A's right behind them. So literally anything can happen, and there are still three weeks worth of baseball left. So I'm not saying by any means that it's too late, because it's not. Between how tight it is and how much more baseball there is to be played, even though the end of it's going to be here before we know it, still so much could happen with this wildcard race before the end. So because of that fact, I guess I still lean in the I'm unsure territory. But I'm not ruling out the Yankees can't hit another hot streak. But if they, even for one second, especially in the playoffs, return to those mental mistakes, they'll be out of there before you blink an eye. Before they even knew what hit them, they'll be eliminated. Gotta get rid of those mental mistakes and play better fundamental baseball. So that's basically my take on it all, but we're gonna go through your replies. I'm gonna read about 10 of them. Then I'll go over to Instagram and read a couple over there, and then hopefully by then we'll be at around the half hour point of the show, and then we'll move on to news and recap and just discuss all of the crap that has happened this past week. So let's get right to it without wasting any time. Here's the question one more time. Do you see the Yankees turning things around before it's too late? And of course, again, remember this was posted yesterday before last night's 9-11 game Yankees and Mets. So at the time, there were 21 games left. Of course, now today, I know there are 20 games left coming into tonight's game. First up, we've got at TJT Whitting here. And they say, I hope they do, and I will root for them all the way. However, realistically, I do not see them making the playoffs. You know, that's fair enough. And listen, I'll root for them until the end, too. Of course, that's part of being a fan. No doubt about that. I mean, it's not fair to tell someone that they're not a real fan because they have their reasonable concerns about the team. But always root for them. They're the team you choose. They're the team you love or claim to love. You root for them until the end, of course. Even if they irritate you to the point where you want to break something. But especially with how they've continued to look these last couple of weeks and how they've returned to first-half form in a lot of ways, basically all the ways, (laughs) and how tight the wild card is and how red-hot the Blue Jays are, and I don't really know about the Red Sox. I mean, I personally have a lot of Red Sox fan friends, and having watched the Red Sox the last few weeks, I definitely understand this, how they've been overall in the second half, but a lot of my Red Sox fan friends seem to be just as on edge as us Yankee fans are. So... I'm not really too sure about them. I think it's very possible the Blue Jays could grab that first wild card the way they've played. So, again, anything can happen right now. So, it's reasonable, in my opinion, to reasonably think that, given what the Yankees have done the last couple of weeks, 
and with how tight things are, that they could very well miss a spot because of how packed things are in the wild card. So it's not outrageous to feel that way, man. I acknowledge those concerns, and that's the reason why I'm unsure, because at the same time, I do know how this team gets when they're hot, and when they're hot, they're like the best team in baseball. Up until a couple of weeks ago, when that 13-game winning streak ended, in the second half, they were the best team in baseball. And that's what I'm saying. They're either the best or literally the worst. And that's why it's so frustrating and bizarre to watch them. So I hear you, man. I hear you. Let's continue on. Up next, we have at Laura underscore Icemont. And Laura says, despite their recent cold streak, they still have a chance of turning things around based on their schedule. So I'm being optimistic and I voted yes. I hope that they can, but I'm also prepared in case they don't make the playoffs. Yeah. As you basically heard before, Laura, that is exactly how I feel. They can definitely turn things around, especially because of their tendency to get really hot at times too. And like I said, when they get hot, they're the best around. And their schedule is favorable, as I also mentioned, but they got to take care of business. They can't play down to the competition. They've got to take care of the Orioles. They got to take care of the Indians. They got to take care of the Rangers, and they have to take care of the Twins in that makeup game tomorrow. They have to. If they lose too many of those games, they will be done. If they lose too many. And they could very well use those last nine or so games on the schedule, all against AL East opponents, the Blue Jays, the Red Sox, and the Rays, to their favor if they play those very well. But a massive part of it is taking advantage of the favorable schedule to come too. You have to do it. There's just too much on the line, especially with how tightly packed the wild card is. Let's continue on. My friend Spencer at Musician DMD says, As bad as this stretch has been, the New York Yankees are still a top wildcard contender with only 63 losses. The upcoming competition, the Rangers, Indians, and Baltimore, is an advantage for the Yankees. Tampa Bay will have clinched by the time they play them and will likely rest their top players in that last series. It's a matter of the Yankees executing. Yeah, that is what it's all about. And basically, multiple teams are top wildcard teams because you have the Red Sox with the first one, only a game above the Yankees in Toronto, who are tied for the second. And then right behind them, you have the Mariners and the A's. And by the way, given those wildcard standings, do not even try to tell me that the AL East is not the best division in baseball because it is. <laughs> Just want to put that out there too. But you're right. They do have a favorable schedule, and by the end, those are those are big games at the end. Between the Red Sox, the Blue Jays, the Rays, and if the Yankees take advantage of those, those could be big too, but with those bad teams, the Yankees have got to get that done too. They've got to execute. They've got to get it done. No excuses in this vital time of a playoff push. Next is at DanB6237, and Dan says, I feel like even if they do make it into the playoffs, their bullpen will be so depleted that they won't go anywhere. Yeah, that was a concern I mentioned before, man. The bullpen is one of those concerns because they just look gassed. And understandably so. Because between starters like Kluber, who are basically still rehabbing right now during a playoff run, and then you have nights like Montgomery start in the first game of the Subway Series where he doesn't go deep at all into the game and then they have to eat all those innings. And then, of course, when the offense doesn't do anything, they might extend a game into extras and then you have to use even more arms. All of these instances, and of course also the lack of days off, that gasses out the bullpen. And it couldn't come at a worse time right now during a playoff race. 
So you're absolutely right, man. That is a valid concern that the bullpen could very well be even more depleted come the playoffs. And that would be a big problem for the Yankees. A big problem. And you're really seeing now, just like I said we would, how lethal it was to lose the best reliever out there in Jonathan Loisaga. Because look how much of a rough time they're having without him while they're depleted. And while someone like Chapman is struggling, while someone like Britton has struggled when he's pitched or otherwise just hasn't been there because he's not healthy, while someone like Chad Green is too busy giving up some of the most crucial home runs throughout the whole year, and then you also have someone out there like Andrew Heaney occupying space. So, yeah, dude, I totally get it. It's a reasonable concern for sure. Next up, we have at Mountain Gal 456, my very dear friend Tina. And Tina says, if they could win all those games in a row that they recently won, it's possible. So yes, they can. And yeah, like I said, Tina, I don't rule that out. It could happen again, especially since they've been on such a cold streak that usually right after that happens, they end up going blazing hot again. And if they do hit that at the right time and carry that through the playoffs, I mean, who the hell knows? It could happen. It's not impossible however unlikely it could be, but it's not impossible. So as frustrating as they've been to watch, I totally get what you're saying and I hear you. All right, up next we have my friend Mike at MD Nelly. And Mike says, I only say yes because the schedule should be favorable. But I also thought that last week and look how wrong I was. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. The schedule coming up should be very favorable, but... You look at last week, especially what happened against the Orioles, the travesty at Yankee Stadium last weekend. I mean, there's just, there's no guarantees. There's no guarantees with this Yankee team. And yeah, it applies with the makeup game against the Twins tomorrow, the Indian series, the Rangers series. Yeah, of course. But with the Orioles specifically, I even look at today. I mean, it's around 2.15 in the afternoon at the time I'm recording right now, and I'm looking at the Orioles and the Blue Jays game, the last game of that series at Camden between the two, and you just see how this series has progressed over there for the Blue Jays, and they, like the rest of the AL East against the Orioles this year, are just getting it done. They're absolutely killing them. (laughs) It's crazy, and that's exactly what the Yankees need to do, and that's what they haven't done at all this year. And like I've said, like it was a big topic last week, the rest of the AL East, what they've done against Baltimore, as opposed to the Yankees, has been a massive difference maker in the division this year. Massive! Not to mention overall how the Yankees have just done against the entire AL East this year. It's been terrible. So far, they're under 500 against them. They've been absolutely horrendous. So yeah, you thought that last week, especially against a team like the Orioles, the worst team in baseball. But then the Orioles came into Yankee Stadium and won the series. (laughs) And the one game the Yankees did win in that series, they needed extra innings to do it. It's just terrible. It's terrible. And that's what also drives me insane about when people say, when you beat a team like the Orioles, oh, it's just the Orioles. That's crap. You have to beat the bad ones too. That's a big part of the schedule. But then those will be the same people that come back afterwards. Oh, you lost against the Orioles. Well, I thought they were an automatic win. Can't have it both ways. So yeah, they've got to take care of business and it's not a guarantee, Mike. It's not. That's why you thought, we all thought that they would take care of business against the O's, and they just didn't. Uh, All right, up next is at the Hitter Sports, and they say, I think they will limp into the wildcard game and get eliminated. 
Not for lack of talent, but the lack of the intangibles and fundamentals. Well, those things have been a massive downfall for them all year now, hasn't it? And I've spoken about that. The horrible offense, the laughable defense especially. I mean, it's it's bad. It's really bad. The double plays. The, it, we could go, we've gotten over all of it. <laughs> we sound like a broken record at this point because we've spoken so much about it. Not even just these past couple of weeks, but the entire first half. But yeah, dude, like I said, the first step to turning this thing around back the right way is to stop those dumb mental mistakes. The fundamental gameplay. All of that. We've spoken about all of it. That's step one. Play smart baseball. And like I said before, if they take any of that into the playoffs, whether it be a division series, championship series, the World Series, or even just a one-game death match in that wild card game you speak of, it's going to be over for them real quick because the rest of the postseason competition upon seeing that will wipe the floor with you. So yeah, you're right, man. It's a reasonable concern. All right, up next we have at Yanks Bar, and they say yes. Rizzo and Voigt have been hitting. Gary and Gallo look to be heating up. Judge and Stanton will be there. Pitching staff is fantastic. They'll be fine. Well, yeah, Rizzo, Rizzo's actually been one of the very few still doing a great job throughout this cold streak, and yet people continue to talk crap about him just because he took some time to warm back up after he came back from COVID, God forbid. So, I don't understand the Rizzo slander at all. My boy Forza Rizzo, stop talking crap about my boy, okay? He's fine. And Voight, you know, he's been hitting whenever he gets the chance. (laughs) That's another part of the Yankees being totally unserious. Having the opportunity to play him, Rizzo, and Stanton, basically every game except for this series, of course, in the National League, because there's no DH. But otherwise, you could play all of them all the time. And they've just mostly chosen not to these last two, three weeks. And Gary and Gallo, Gary, he may have had some big hits lately. He's gotten some hits again after struggling again for a long time. But those mistakes again behind the plate in game one, man, those can't happen. They just can't. So he's got to get better with that. Gallo's been hitting a couple more home runs lately. That's a good sign because he was way overdue as well. And Stanton may have hit a rough patch again just for a bit this past week. But again, last night he had a decent game offensively. And he had a nice game out and left. So, it is what it is with him. He'll be fine, because he's been hot and cold. And when he's hot, he'll carry a whole team. And Judge, especially last night, Judge has been finding it again these last few days. I'm not worried about Aaron Judge. He's about one of the only people on this team, when the off-seasons come around, that I want the Yankees to hold on to. You know that. My only untouchables are basically him and Cole. And as I've said, I also do want the Yankees to re-sign Anthony Rizzo. So those are basically my main three and my main untouchables, so I'm never worried about Judge. (laughs) I mean, sometimes I am, but he's a top player on this team, not to mention amongst the best in all of baseball. He's a superstar. And the pitching staff, yeah, when Cole comes back, it'll be fine, and when Tyone manages to come back, and he manages to get back on track because he was struggling his last few starts before that, of course, as we know, and Kluber... Hopefully he finds it before the season ends, because right now you see it's basically April Kluber still just rehabbing and getting back in there. If Nestor keeps it up and Montgomery gets it back and you get that guy some damn run support, he got run support the other night, but just coughed it up. And it was just a couple of runs, I know, but he got it right away. And he's just got to find consistency. If that happens, 
It's a lot of ifs. <laughs> it is, I know that, but I wouldn't call them exactly fantastic right now, but they're not the main problem of the team. They could afford to give more length, maybe. They have their nights, as does everybody and every aspect of the team, but listen, they have it in them to turn this thing back around before it's too late. But it's gotta happen soon. Especially with the schedule coming up. Alright, let's keep going. We'll do like two or three more. Up next, we have at Matthew underscore Orso. And Matthew says, The odds aren't great, but the club still controls its own destiny with games against Toronto and Boston coming up later. Is the ship sinking? Yeah. Are there repair crews on the way? Yeah. Will they make it in time to be determined? <laughs> yeah, I basically agree. I've been, I've been calling the Yankees this last week. And you heard it again in the introduction, but I've been calling them the Titanic, sinking hard and fast. And I thought that first game against the Mets a couple of nights ago was when the ship cracks. And if they don't fix it soon, the rest of it will just be the final process of the sinking. I'm not sure how many of you have seen a sinking sequence of the Titanic, but the front of it goes under the water, it goes up in the air, of course, the back of it goes up in the air, and then eventually the ship cracks, and the back of the ship is basically left all alone, goes straight up in the air, and then sinks straight down. So, more or less, that's the sinking process. And that's what I've been calling them, basically, step by step this last week or two. And they've got to get it together, because this is not the time for it to be happening. But they've got to do it soon. And they've got to do it to the point where they can make it in time. So, I hear you, man. And those games are really important. Both the bad part of the schedule, the Yankees should definitely rack up a lot of wins with. And especially those final series, Toronto, Boston, Tampa, even though you're not catching up to Tampa, but you're going to have to win those games too if the wild card comes down in those last few days. So, next we have at Suze LaBella, and they say no consistency with this team. Yeah, you're right. I've said it basically for the last half an hour. <laughs> and that makes a lot of people feel uneasy about the playoff chances, and then also for when they do actually get to the playoffs, or if they do. It makes them question whether they can even grab a wild card spot and what'll happen if they do down the road. And it's valid. That's what I've been saying. You can't fault people for feeling that way because the Yankees have made it so that criticism and skepticism like that is warranted. Next, we have Rebecca at Peace Now for Life. And Rebecca says, yes, I do see them turning things around. I believe all the players want to be better and prove themselves. When there is a down, there's always room for up. Go Yankees. I would expect nothing different out of the eternal optimist, Rebecca. <laughs> and Rebecca's a good eternal optimist, not one of those insufferable ones. She's a good one. So, but yeah, listen, like I said, they've been on this cold streak, and when they've gone on these cold streaks, definitely with what I said before in the introduction, I told you all the numbers they've had throughout this season, throughout all of the 142 games so far. It's They've been up and down and up and down, either the best or the worst, and they've gone through that worst streak again, so maybe that best will kick in just in time? I mean, who knows? It's possible. So, all right, let's do one more here on Twitter. I'm going to do like 11. I think this is number 11. But anyway, lastly here on Twitter is at DMI199106, and they say they have the talent to make the playoffs, but probably cannot win a one-game wild card. It's tight here. I think it's going to come down right to the end, like I said, with the wild card. It's too tight to have anything else happen unless there's just a colossal collapse by Boston and or Toronto and a colossal upswing with the Yankees or vice versa. I don't know. 
and also with the Mariners and the A's too, who were also right behind Boston, Toronto, and the Yankees. Can't forget about them. So it all depends with that. It's who knows? The Yankees definitely have the talent, but will they get it done with their schedule and in the home stretch here? That's a whole other story. And it's tough to predict a one-game wild card, man. It's, that's, like, impossible. It's a crapshoot. <laughs> it's one game. Anything can happen, no matter where the game's being played or who the teams are who are facing each other. It's one game. It's a one-game death match, so it's near impossible to predict. Anything can happen. It's like a game seven. So... All right, that is all for Twitter, my friends. I want to thank all of you who voted, replied, the whole deal. And if I didn't get to you, and there were plenty I didn't get to, because as always, just so many of you put in replies, and I appreciate all of you, as always, whether I got to you or not. Doesn't make a difference. I appreciate you all the same. And if you want to see the replies for yourself, just remember, you could head right over to my Twitter page, at Mike Scudero. Just scroll down, find the poll tweet, and all of the replies are down in the comments. So thank you all, as always, for your interactions. I love you to death. But before we move on to news and recap, let's read a couple over on Instagram, voting and replying to the same question, and that question being, at this point, meaning yesterday when this was posted, there are 21 games left. Do you see the Yankees turning things around before it's too late? And obviously on Instagram, you had the exact same two choices, since I had the luxury of only having two choices to choose from this week with the poll. The first choice being yes, and the second choice being no, or it's already too late. And the same choice won, as did on Twitter. The choice of no, or it's already too late, earned 65% of the vote out of all of you who voted on Instagram, and the remaining 35% voted yes, that they could turn it around before it's too late. So, not a lot of optimism with this poll this week after the way the Yankees have done these last couple of weeks. Let's read a few replies on Instagram. First up, we have official52011, and they say it's too late. See, I can't agree with that. Not with how tight things are and with three weeks still to go. There's just too much that could happen and too many things that could change in those wild card standings before you say it's too late. You have Boston with the first wild card coming into today, followed by the Yankees and the Blue Jays, just a game behind them, both tied for the second wild card. And then just two games behind them, both Oakland and Seattle. So it's too tight. It just is. So while I definitely understand both sides and think it's very possible that given this cold streak that there could be a hot streak just in time for the Yankees just before the end, I I can't agree with the fact that it's too late. You can't say that right now. You just can't. Like I've said, the Yankees gameplay has warranted that kind of skepticism and pessimism they have, but... There's just, it's too tight right now, and there's still three weeks left to go. I just can't say it's too late right now. All right, let's just do two more in the usual final two. First up, my girlfriend, Vic Salimo, and she says, I'm always one for optimism, but it would be a miracle if the Yankees turned things around at this point, if you ask me. They have been an absolute embarrassment these last couple of weeks, to the point where at times, I'm just ready for the season to be over. Are you? No, I'm never ready for the season to be over. (laughs) The Yankees could put me through unbelievable, unspeakable amounts of pain, and I will not be ready for baseball to be over. Maybe some days they have me on the verge of being ready to take a stroke, but I'm never ready for baseball to end. Baseball ending is always the most painful thing for me, every year. 
I mean, aside from, you know, God forbid, something happening in my personal life, but in general, amongst the passions of my life and everything, just baseball ending is very difficult for me. So no, I'm never ready for the season to be over. But as of everything else, yeah, listen, at this point, the way they've been playing for a lot of people, and even myself at times, I plead guilty to it. Sometimes it would feel like a miracle if the Yankees pull it off. And I'm not going to pretend like I know it's going to happen. I'm mostly an I don't know right now. But I can't say that it's too late because there are still three weeks left and the wild card standings are way too packed, or packed tightly, I should say. And I also can't say that they're definitely going to turn it around because there's not too much evidence of that happening the last couple of weeks. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens. But I I hear you, Vic. I do. But I'm never ready for the season to end. Never. (laughs) All right, and lastly is my mom, Julia Gina Scudero, and my mom says, These crazies always manage somehow, but if they don't, I hope they can clean house in the offseason. Honestly, starting with Cashman. The only ones that I don't touch are Judge and Cole. You could get rid of everyone else if you want. With their erratic game playing all year, and with what they've done these last couple of weeks especially, this team has made giving birth look easy. Come on, boys. <laughs> oh my god. Giving birth? <laughs> it must not be that bad then. <laughs> no, I know you're just kidding, but hey, listen. I know a lot of people how they feel about Cashman, and I've said that they should be held accountable too, the front office meaning. I've said if the Yankees don't make the playoffs, you'll probably see Aaron Boone be the fall guy and lose his job, regardless of whether it'll change much or not around here, but you'll probably see him lose his job. I'm a firm believer in the fact that no matter how any of us feel about Cashman, that he's not going anywhere because Hal Steinbrenner is just very comfortable with him running the organization. And I believe he should be held accountable for the failure too. I think everybody should, from top to bottom. From way at the top of Hal Steinbrenner all the way down to the bottom with the players who have just underachieved this year, a lot of them. So, I mean, I think everybody should be held accountable, but I don't think Cashman's going anywhere. But I understand people saying that. I do. It's been a very frustrating year, very bizarre year. The most bizarre I've ever seen, as I've said, and a lot of other people have said. I've seen people say that who have been fans for 40-plus years. So I know I'm not being ridiculous when I say that. And yeah, you're exactly the same as me with the untouchables. Judge, Cole, and then re-sign Rizzo if you want. That's about it. (laughs) Everyone else, I mean, it's whatever. I've spoken about that plenty. That's another conversation for when the offseason comes around, but... I hear you, Mom, but my God, giving birth? (laughs) I would imagine and hope that that was much worse, but I imagine that's just part of your dark sense of humor, which I just love to death. But anyways, that is all for this week's social media segment, guys. I want to thank you all again just for the interactions, whether it be on Twitter or Instagram or whether I got to you or not. I love you all all the same, and I appreciate your interactions every week with the social media segment. Keep interacting every week and keep on being awesome. But you better bet your ass that we're going to keep on rolling here right into news and recap all the action from this past week. Let's hop into the Yapping Yankees time machine as always and go back to last Sunday and catch up to today. Let's go. All right, 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 all right. Little League of Their Own reference there for you. Last Sunday, the disgraceful finish 
to a remarkably embarrassing and inexcusable weekend series loss to the Orioles, which, as we said last week, if a loss were to happen last Sunday, would make the Yankees just 9-7. and 9-7 and seven against the Orioles, with one more series to go against them this season. And we've spoken all about that last week, and we've spoken all about it today. The importance of how poorly the Yankees have performed against them all season long. Absolutely horrendous. Inexcusable. And of course, they lost that game last Sunday, a game that they should 100% have won. They lost 8-7. to Corey Kluber, my boy, but has admittedly looked like his April self, again didn't make it deep into the game, three and two-thirds, allowing two runs on four hits, three walks, and five strikeouts. Wasn't necessarily horrendous, but he again, he labored, mainly having a tough time with his fastball command, and he departed early, leaving a depleted bullpen to go the rest of the way, as we've spoken about how depleted the bullpen has been. Fortunately, the Yankees put up seven freaking runs, six of them by Gary, on a grand slam, and then a two-run homer later. He had himself a hell of a day. And the one remaining run, the other one, the seventh one, came on a Rizzo RBI single. So they put up seven runs, and they had a 7-4 lead coming into the seventh And they thought it was a smart idea in a game that they absolutely needed, even if it's against a team like the Orioles, only up by three runs, to bring in the guy who has nearly as many runs given up as he has innings pitched for the Yankees in Andrew Heaney. And what does he do? Even against the worst team in baseball, he utterly implodes. After he was done, the Yanks were down 8-7 to before anyone even knew what in the living hell even happened. Immediately met by pleads on Twitter from me and the entire fan base to DFA Heaney so that he never throws another pitch in a Yankee uniform ever again. And that 8-7 to score is the score the Yanks would disgracefully lose by dropping a series at home during a September playoff push to the Orioles. And the Laughers would continue the next day on Labor Day. Jameson Tyone started, and the poor guy was left out there all alone. I said Jameson had been struggling lately, but this most recent start on Monday... He had started to find it a little bit, even against a team like the Blue Jays. And if and when he does come back and he throws more games like this, then the situation with him will be all good. But the Yankees have the concern of getting him back right now. But anyways, in this game on Monday, he was left all alone out there. And he did give up back-to-back solo shots in the first to Marcus Semien and Vlad Guerrero Jr. But he really settled down after that. He only allowed one more run. And that was in the seventh inning, way later. So in total, seven innings, three runs on just those three hits, those three home runs. Two walks and five strikeouts. He really settled down and got the job done. 
even with pitiful defense behind him to try to make it even worse. So he even had to get some extra outs as well. And then, the other name I mentioned before, Brooks Krisky, another form of proof about just how unserious the Yankees have been alongside Andrew Heaney, both of them having been on a September Major League roster during a playoff run up until the Yankees finally optioned Krisky just a couple of days ago. And again, in just a three-run game, Brooks Krisky gave up five more runs. Four on a grand slam in that ninth inning of that game on Labor Day. Who saw that coming except for literally everyone? And as I said before, with... Tyone being left all alone, the offense was just completely flatlined all day long. And it certainly didn't inspire them to get any sort of rally going after Brooks Krisky did what he did in the ninth inning, putting them into an 8 to nothing deficit. And I know, for what seemed like a completely flatlined Yankee offense already, that I'm saying, oh, it was only a three-run deficit, but you might be saying, oh, that's even a tall order given what this offense has done. And you're right. But it's still just a three-run deficit, and you don't bring in someone like Brooks Krisky. That guarantees an end to your day. So anyways, the offense that was just completely flatlined all day, five hits on the entire afternoon, didn't score a single run, and the Yanks lost 8 to nothing, following the shameful Orioles series. And these days, as we know... Just like in the first half, there doesn't seem to be much of a rock bottom. Because Tuesday was even worse. Let alone the fact that the Yankees only scored a run on a Rizzo RBI single the whole night after doing nothing offensively Monday either, and that they lost again 5-1. The main story of the night, of course, was the injury to the guy who I consider to be the heartbeat of this Yankees team. One of just a couple of my only untouchables, Garrett Cole. He started on Tuesday, and he really only gave up one legitimate run on a solo shot by Alejandro Kirk, the other two because of more terrible defense, mainly by gold glover DJ LeMayhew. Final line on the night was three and two-thirds, five hits, three runs, two of them earned, two walks, and just two strikeouts for Garrett. But he only went those three and two-thirds, Because he left the game with hamstring tightness. Which I and everyone else who isn't an emotionless robot just emotionally fell apart over. I mean, how could you not? With the way the team has played at this crucial time, no less. After all the injuries and COVID outbreaks, Garrett included in both of those now. And now he, your ace, seemed to be about to miss time due to injury? I mean, no matter how big or small the injury, and even if he is only to miss a few days, which it seems he is, how the hell could you not go insane at the time? And again, thankfully, we would find out later that they hope to start him in a couple of days already. He was supposed to start tonight, the last game at City Field. But at the time, how could you not want to poke your eyes out? So that, and the fact that it was just another terrible game for the Yankees, just really brought everyone and everything down. And again, they lost 5-1. to one. And after the game, Brooks Krisky 
was sent back down to AAA. It's about damn time. So that Luis Heal could return Wednesday to start that game. And start the game he did. And yeah, he only pitched three and a third. And yeah, he walked seven guys. Three more in his final inning of work in the fourth. But honestly, guys, not only did he get squeezed on what could have been an important strike three call on that walk to Lamb in the fourth, and mind you, that pitch was a strike, he still struck out six guys, and he showed heart. Just like in his prior starts, when he got into jams and got out of them, worked his way into trouble and out of it. Final line, though, it doesn't look pretty. Three and a third, just two hits given up, but those seven walks... That's the sign of the laboring and, at times, lack of command. And six strikeouts. And his first earned runs in the big leagues. It took 19 innings to allow a run. And he wasn't even the one to allow them. Litke came in after him and inherited his jam, threw a wild pitch to allow the first run to score, and the next two scored on a two-run single. So just a brilliant job by Litke. Really clutch stuff. So unfortunately, all three of those runs were charged to heal. But again, while those walks do emphasize that he does still need some work on his command, there's no doubt about that. His stuff, though, is still electric. And his ability to work into and out of jams, it just continues to show me how much heart the kid has. And I admire that in a young arm. As far as the bats go, they seemed as dead as ever, yet again. Until, ironically, on the iconic day that Derek Jeter was inducted into the Hall of Fame, the only remaining player who was still around when Derek Jeter played and still is now, that man being Brett Gardner, tied the game at three with a three-run shot in the fifth. Which also happened to be the first extra base hit in three days. (laughs) But then, while Clay Holmes, after a bad Velasquez error, Chad Green, and Aroldis Chapman, who I gotta be honest with you, at this point, I'm just done with, each gave up a run, the offense, in the most gutless of fashion, again, flatlined. 6-3 loss, after Boston beat Tampa to take second place and the first wild card to make things even better, After Gardy's massive home run that would otherwise jolt life into almost any other team, on Jeter's day, and at risk of being swept at home in a four-game set the next day. Like I've been saying, just telling the truth and putting it bluntly, just pathetic and gutless. And Thursday would bring more glorious news. And I say that, of course, with the utmost amount of sarcasm. But Jameson Tyone was placed on the 10-day IL retroactive to the 7th with a partially torn tendon in his ankle, as I spoke about a little bit before. And that he was in a walking boot. After days of nothingness since his last start, no inclination of there being anything wrong, out of nowhere, IL stint, and he's in a damn walking boot for a few days. Just terrific. So hopefully he gets better as soon as possible, and he can get some starts in before the season ends, of course. And the Yanks seem to be optimistic that this could be a quicker thing, but 
Nonetheless, gut punch number 37,000 this year. And to replace his roster spot, just temporarily at the time, Sal Romano, who was previously DFA'd, was selected to the roster, and Jonathan Davis was also DFA'd and has since been outrighted to Triple A. And, yeah, I'm not done. Boone also gave an update on Zach Britton, that he had the surgery on his elbow Wednesday, and not just the bone chip removal, but Tommy John surgery as well. Never said anything about that prior, but hey, that's just another day in Yankee land, right? You're given a piece of information, and then at the last minute, something else is added, either at the last minute or after the fact. So since Tommy John also happened, he's out until at least the end of next year. So if not for possibly seeing him for about two minutes at the end of next year, not to my surprise, but I don't think we're going to be seeing Britain in a Yankee uniform ever again, since next year is the last year on his contract. $14 million for his contract next year, out the window. So that's that. And the game on Thursday made no one feel any better. Because outside of a Rizzo game-tying two-run homer at the time, in very similar fashion to Wednesday's game, the gutless, putrid, first-half-esque team rolled over and flatlined again in this 6-4 loss, getting swept in a four-game set at home to the Blue Jays. Cortez started the game, gave up a leadoff homer to Bichette, settled down, and then gave up a homer to Grichuk later. But overall, he did very well, throwing six innings of two-run ball. And he was really frustrated with himself after giving up that second home run because, well, the offense was dead. So he probably figured that giving up two runs was a death blow. And I felt bad for him because he did still throw a good game. He really did. But he was followed by Romano, for some reason, and Peralta, each giving up a run more right after Rizzo tied the game. You gotta love when that happens. Tie the game, and you give it right back. Peralta's run was unearned, by the way. And to end the game, in the ninth... Only down by two, which, again, is a tall ask for this offense that's returned to first-half form, but still just a two-run game. Just like the other day when Brooks Kriske was brought in in a three-run game, the Yankees allowed Andrew Heaney to throw even one more pitch as a Yankee, showing yet again just how unserious they have been. And... Would you believe me if I told you that he gave up two more runs? You would? Huh, I wonder why. Oh, because he's probably one of the worst relievers the Yankees have literally ever had for the time he's been here? Despite the Yanks having better options, like Michael King and Clark Schmidt, who were both healthy again and have thankfully since returned? Even Adam Warren, who's done a great job down in the minors? Yeah, I'd agree with that. So yeah, the Yanks lost 6-4 to four after Gary and Voigt sat him on the bench again, by the way, Voigt meaning, but solo shots by them both in the bottom of the ninth. Too bad the game was out of reach because they had to pitch Andrew Heaney. But at that point, swept at home, 
Only a half a game over Toronto for the second wild card. Six game losing streak. One and six homestand. Two and ten since their 13 game win streak, aka since I got home from Italy. Essentially undoing all the good that was done during that win streak. Also, another stat given by Yes. This was the first time the Yanks were swept in a four-game set at home without having a lead once in any of the four games since 1908. That was before the Titanic sank. That was before the Yankees were even called the Yankees. They were still called the Highlanders. Keep racking up these kinds of stats, guys. Keep racking them up. Definitely one of, if not the most pathetic series at home I've seen in my time as a fan. And at this point after this game, you just felt that the wheels completely fell off. Well, on Friday, speaking of Michael King from before, when I did a brief mention of him, they did reinstate him from the 60-day IL on Friday. So after months of recovering from that contusion in his finger, he is finally back for long relief help. And they DFA'd Sal Romano again to make room for Michael King to return. So Andrew Heaney still around. And we've beaten the Andrew Heaney thing up to death. I mean, not that we shouldn't because the Yankees deserve to be called out on their crap. And it should also be mentioned how Cashman and them should just swallow their pride already and admit to themselves that Andrew Heaney is a terrible pitcher and that they should let it end, but that's clearly not happening. It really is amazing when everyone else but the team at hand acknowledges this undebatable truth, but let's just talk about the game quick. (laughs) Stanton and Voigt both sitting on Friday, Voight because Rizzo was in, and obviously no DH in the National League, I understand that, but Stanton, given the circumstances, and that he loves hitting at City Field, as you can see from last night, had a couple of hits, but hey, who am I to talk? I'm just someone who cares. The Yankees, though? Well, they put out a different kind of signal on the field against the Mets on Friday night. The Mets scored a total of 10 runs. Six of them scored on the worst missed tag play at home by a catcher I have ever seen from Gary Sanchez. A bases loaded walk. Gary failing to catch a throw by Gio, albeit a bad one, but not getting off home plate to save the throw home, which was definitely the catcher's job there. They got another one on a squeeze play and two more thanks to more of Abysmal fielding at short by Glaber Torres, who at this point, to be really honest with you, I'm just really tired of watching absolutely suck at shortstop. But otherwise, Jordan Montgomery, who started, he just also had zero command. Totally bombed to go alongside the rest of the usual daily embarrassments. Always finding new ways to lose, like I said, just like in the first half. Literally just gave the Mets the game. And after scoring two runs on a judge ground out and a Gallo solo shot, and the Yanks collectively just gave the game away, 
eventually finding themselves down 8-2 to two against a Met team battling to hover around 500, coming off a bad road trip against bad teams. The Yankees expectedly rolled over and easily lost 10-3 to three against the Mets. Not much else to say, guys. Just another embarrassing, brutal loss by this first-half-esque Yankees team against their awful crosstown rival to go along with all the other dozens of these kinds of losses. Seven losses in a row and 2-11 and 11 in their last 13 up until yesterday. 20th anniversary of 9-11, all the emotion, the remembrance, of course, and my God, was it a game to remember with the Yankees finally deciding, hey, let's win a game. Scored five runs in the second inning on a two-run shot by Higashioka, who also played a big part in saving the game with that great play in the ninth, throwing out Pilar on Chapman's splitter that got away from him. A two-run shot by Gardy, who also played a big part in getting the first Yankees base runner in six innings. And then a solo shot by Judge, his 31st on the year. After that, like I said with the first base runner in six innings thing, Talk about shooting your load, because the Yankees didn't even get another base runner until the 8th. And in that time, between Corey Kluber and Chad Green, gave it right back, and then some, after having a five-run lead. Corey Kluber, disappointingly, showed basically no signs of taking another step forward, going just four innings and giving up four runs on five hits, two walks, and six strikeouts. And Chad Green, who just continues to give up crucial home runs, as he has all year, gave the Mets a 6-5 to lead on a James McCann two-run homer. And then the Mets would add on one more to make it 7-5, to and things felt pretty much done with, given this Yankees team the last couple of weeks. Headed to eight losses in a row now, and like I said in the intro at risk of being 2-12 and 12 in their last 14, and being at risk of being swept tonight by the Mets. But instead, Aaron Judge, game-tying two-run bomb in that eighth when the Yanks finally decided to get their first base runner since the second inning. And Judge really wanted this win, man. Two home runs, that big diving catch in the ninth, just a great night for him. And then later on in the inning, a throwing error by Javi Baez on what should have been a double play by Voigt gave the Yanks an 8-7 lead, and that would be the final. Thrilling game, losing streak snapped, lots of work still yet to be done, especially with the wild card still packed tighter than an airport sandwich. Yanks are still just 3-11 since that winning streak. And the Yanks and Jays are tied for the second wild card coming into today and just a game behind the Sox for the first wild card. But definitely a terrific win last night in a game the Yanks desperately needed and certainly a night to remember overall on a night filled with lots of emotion. But it's about damn time they decided to win a baseball game. All right, let's put a bow on this episode, my friends. What's next for the next week? 
Another week of no days off. You got the Subway Series finale tonight on ESPN. I'll probably drop this episode after the game ends. Clark Schmidt gets the ball. Hopefully he could go maybe three or four innings, maybe one or two run ball. I would take that. Then we'll probably see Andrew Heaney after him, depending on how long Clark goes. God help us all for that part. And Velasquez was optioned at least for now so that Schmidt could be called up for the start. Tomorrow, the makeup game against the Twins at home. That'll be at 2.05 Eastern. Tuesday starts a three-game set against the Orioles in Baltimore. Tuesday and Wednesday's games will be at 7.05 Eastern. And Thursday will be at 5.05 Eastern. It's a weird start time, but we'll see if the Yankees can finally get the damn job done against the Baltimore Orioles, which, as we've said plenty by now, they have failed at doing this year. Then Friday, their favorable schedule continues as the Yanks return home for a three-game set against the Indians. Friday's game will be at 7.05 Eastern, Saturday at 1.05, and Sunday, when we meet again, will also be at 1.05 Eastern. But as for now, guys, that is all for episode 112 of Yapping Yankees Today. Please remember to follow me on all socials, guys. Mike Scudero NY is my Facebook fan page. Follow me on there. Follow me on Twitter at Mike Scudero and on Instagram at MikeScuds97. And also, guys, subscribe to the Yapping Yankees YouTube channel. Give a like down below on this video. And also show some love to Yapping Yankees on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify as well. And while you're at it, if you got the time, listen to the past Yapping Yankees episodes that you might have missed. Episodes 34 up to episode 112 today are available on YouTube, and all Yapping Yankees episodes, including today's, are available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Once again, thank you 3000 for listening to me yap today, my friends. I am Mike Scudero, and I will talk to you next Sunday, September 19th, when I come at you with episode 113 of Yapping Yankees. But until then, as always, hang in there, be patient, please stay safe, look out for your loved ones, and Yankees, you got the win last night. If that needed turnaround is to continue, grab this last game in the final Subway Series game tonight, take advantage of the bad schedule for the love of God, and just get it done, will you? You don't need us to tell you that. Or maybe you do, but get it done. (laughs) Enjoy your week, my friends. Take care.